We're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. This is session 37, as we're nearing the end of the book. This is the last week of Jesus' earthly life. It is now Friday morning. By nine o'clock or so that morning, Jesus will be hanging on a cross. I hope when you read the scriptures that you fully comprehend that the Bible is the story of real people. They're not saints stuck up in a stained glass. That's beautiful, but that's not who they are. They're real people in a real time in a very real place. And as we study these last few hours of Jesus' earthly life, we come across the lives of unusual people, some pretty strong, some deadly. Last week, we studied the life of the most infamous traitor of all time, Judas Iscariot, Judas of Kerioth, the south end of Israel, who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Today, we come across the story in this 15th chapter of Mark of a killer, a spoiler, a man already under the death sentence by Rome, whose name is Bar-Abbas. We just say Barabbas, but it's Bar-Abbas. Let me read the story to you, or you can follow along on the screen. This takes place the next morning after Jesus was arrested, betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, that's the Sanhedrin, member of 70 or 71 men. They bound Jesus, carried him away, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? How many things they witness against thee? But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast, it was the feast of Passover, take place in April, when the Jews celebrated deliverance from Egypt long before with Moses. At that feast, he released unto them one prisoner. This is kind of a sop that the Romans handed out to the Jews. We'll give you a prisoner. Usually some guy who had overparked his chariot or some guy who had written graffiti on a wall or stolen a purse, but no big stuff here, just petty criminals. Whoever they desired, there was one named Bar-Abbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him. He's a revolutionary. He had committed murder in that insurrection. And now he was under the death sentence to be crucified that morning. The multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. Pilate said, well, will ye that I release unto you uh, the king of the Jews, Jesus? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Remember, we talked about that last week. Why did they hate him so? They were envious of him. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas. 
unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them, What will ye then that I shall do with, with Jesus? Isn't that the question you face? What would you do with Jesus? The old song says, neutral you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? They cried out again, crucify him. Pilate said, why? What, uh, what evil has he done? They cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had him scourged to be crucified. The power of a mob is almost mind-numbing. I have read this text since I was a little boy, and I've always wondered what was there in that mob that they just got carried away with it. And then the other night, I watched the mob scene at Berkeley in California, and I understood. That's one of the most demonic, unbelievably cruel, mindless, pathetic exhibitions of human behavior in the history of this country. The power of a mob. I was embarrassed for our country. This is where they're supposed to learn, give and take. Must have been like that with the mob there at the Antonia Fortress there, the other side of the temple in Jerusalem, that fateful April morning. Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus. What? He's done nothing. What should I? Crucify him! And it got, it got caught up in this thing. Crucify. Let's talk about Pontius Pilate a little bit. Remember, this is about real people in real time, in a real place. When King Herod the Great died, shortly after the birth of Jesus, a Rome, he was under Roman authority. It was Roman Empire, but, but the emperor at that time, Caesar Augustus, had allowed the Jews to have a quasi-king, and that was Herod the Great. He's called the Great because of his building, his architecture. He's a mean person. When he died, the Romans wanted to diminish his strength, so they siphoned off part of the kingdom to one of his sons, a kid named Archelaus. Archelaus had an IQ of about nine he made terrible decisions. He was a stupid, evil man. And one of his decisions resulted in 3,000 Jews in Jerusalem being slaughtered at the temple by Pontius Pilate's soldiers. So Rome said, no more of that. We're, we're done with him. We will give maybe Upper Galilee or something over in Perea or Jordan to one of the Herod offspring, but no more of this. From now on, Israel will be governed by what we call procurators or governors. One of those governors was Pontius Pilate. How'd he get the job? Was it civil service? Hardly. 
Over in Rome, the eternal city, the emperor now was Tiberius. Tiberius was getting up in years. He had any number of sexually transmitted diseases. He hated Rome, and so he had moved his seat of authority to the beautiful island of Capri over on the west side of Italy, looking over the ocean. And he had given authority in Rome to continue governing to his buddy, a man named Sejanus, or Sejanus. And he reveled in Capri, vile, evil man. One of his great pastimes was to fill that great royal pool, swimming pool, with warm water, with water and naked little boys. That was his joy. Tells you a little bit about Rome. How far behind are we? So in Rome, Sejanus decided he could probably rule better than Tiberius at this state of his career. And so little by little, he began to usurp authority. And when Tiberius finally heard about it, he sent word to the head of the Praetorian Guard, a man named Macro, take Sejanus, grab him right out of the Senate, take him out on one of the royal roads there in Rome, and strangle him, and then rip his body to pieces and then get his wife and children and do the same thing. And then every political hack who Sejanus put in power, find him, tear him apart. One of those political hacks was Pontius Pilate. But he was a long ways away. He was way over in Israel, far away from Rome. Wasn't it worth the effort to go get him, as long as he did what he was supposed to. This is why when Jesus was on trial before Pilate and the religious leaders said, crucify him. No, I'm not going to crucify him. What evil has he done? If you let him go, Pilate, you're no friend of Caesar. Went through him like a knife. I don't want to end up like Sejanus. And so he succumbed to political threats and power. And he said, I'll scourge him, and I will let him go. I want to talk to you about Barabbas, Bar-Abbas. When you come across a name that begins with B-A-R, Bar, that means son of. Remember when Peter made his great confession to Jesus up on Mount Hermon. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon, Bar, his name was Simon Peter, Simon Bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. That was his dad's name. Bar Abbas, son of Abbas. Abbas was a word that meant exalted father. There are some historians who believe that Barabbas' daddy was a well-known, loved rabbi in Jerusalem. Can you imagine how that father would have felt when he heard that his son Barabbas had led an insurrection against the Romans? He had murdered Roman soldiers. He was now under condemnation of the death penalty to be crucified the next day, Barabbas. It's a very significant word because 
Not everything is listed in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For example, the birth of Jesus is only recounted in two of those books. The only miracle, I think, that Jesus performed that you'll find in all four Gospels was the feeding of the 5,000. The others appeared in this Gospel or that Gospel, but not all four. But Barabbas appears in all four. So his story must be incredibly powerful. He's released back to the people because that demonic mob demanded it. Real people, real place, real time. Many times when I'm in Jerusalem by myself, I will leave the hotel and I will walk all the way up to the north end of the city to the Damascus Gate. I believe it was that gate from which Jesus went to Calvary carrying the cross. By now beaten, he saw the film, The Passion of the Christ, which in truth underplays the beating. Jesus now carrying that timber on his back almost to Calvary collapses on the ground. A man named Simon of Cyrene is compelled to carry the cross. I wonder if Barabbas, now a free man, that morning, knowing by nine o'clock that morning, he'd be on a cross, nailed there. But now he's a, he's a free man because this Jesus took his place. And I've loitered outside Damascus Gate there from which you can see the skull hill called Golgotha, Calvary. And I've wondered if Barabbas stood there in the crowd and those few hundred yards away he could hear knowing that nails were being driven through his replacement's hands, Jesus. The spike driven right down through the instep of Jesus' feet into the patibula of the cross. And I wonder if Barabbas thought, my God, that should have been me. This is why it is so moving when we sing, Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. You are the one my heart adores. Jesus, I love you. It's because of the cross, because of the cross, there is no Christianity, there is no eternal life without the cross. Today the cross more and more is being underplayed in churches. Now it's about self-help and self-esteem and do this. No, it's about the cross. It's about the one who took my place. 
Isaiah knew that. That's why he wrote, it was my sin that he died for. Barabbas could say the same thing. It was my sin he died for. I study this story. I think about Barabbas. Well, there was no question about Barabbas' guilt. He had been caught in the act. He was a killer. He had been arrested. He had been tried, found guilty, condemned to death. No question about that. And today we have that everywhere. We have people, you know that they're not right with God. There's no question about it. And they make no bones about it. Yeah, but then there's, there's that crowd around the cross religious sinners. Did you ever stop to think how evil religion is if it doesn't have Christ in it? Paul fought this all the time. You have these sayings that you do. You have these manipulations that you do over and over. They mean nothing without Christ, without the very real Christ. On the cross, religion is cruel. It's inhuman. But with Christ, it's redemption. He is the lovely theme of my soul. He is my light from afar. Glory and praise shall to him belong. It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus and the cross. And then there are the respectable lost people. They don't think they're lost. They think they're just fine. Pilate was one of those. He had many of the qualities that people admired. He was powerful. Oh boy, was he powerful. Shrewd, authoritative. Made a bad mistake. He left Jesus out. Some years ago, I was in Switzerland on a mountain called Mount Pilatus, Pilatus, Mount Pilate. Traditional history says that not too long after Pilate gave up on Jesus, Caligula, who by that time was the emperor, and Caligula only reigned for four years, he was stark raving insane, finally killed by his own people. Caligula had Pilate arrested, sent into exile, didn't kill him, but sent him into exile to Mount Pilatus, where he was tortured by this thought, I knew he was innocent, but I sent him to the cross. And Pilate snapped and committed suicide. It's tough going for people who reject Christ. Whew. Tough going. Even Pilate's wife attempted to persuade him to do nothing to Jesus. Matthew 27, 19, when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, don't have anything to do with that just man. I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. When push came to shove, he betrayed, not like Judas, but he sent Jesus to the cross after he had scourged him, beaten him almost to death. 
Matthew 27, 24 is a staggering verse. When Pilate saw he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made in that demonic crowd, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd and said, I am innocent. Yeah. Haul him out of hell tonight and ask him, how innocent were you? Everything's about Jesus. About Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Dino called me Friday. Said, I'm going to be there Sunday night. He said, I want you to sing a song. I said, okay. What do you want? He said, I want you to sing, I'd rather have Jesus. Yeah. I'd like to do that, Dino because I love that song. I would rather have Jesus, not, not just a song to me. It's a way of life. I graduated from high school in 1954, Central High School in Springfield, Missouri. It was the only high school in that city. We had 3,000 students in the school. My graduating class was about 700 kids. So along about the middle of that last year, the senior class held a talent show in front of all those thousands of kids. And the director came to me one day and said, Danny, we'd like to ask you to sing. As a graduating senior, would you do that? I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. He said, what do you want to sing? I said, I'd like to sing, I'd rather have Jesus. He said, well, you can't do that. I said, why? He said, you'll be laughed off the stage. You'll be booed off the stage. I said, I don't think so. I think the Lord always honors people who honor him. So I'd like to, well, you can't. I said, well, get somebody else. I don't have anything against pop songs, but I just wasn't in the mood to sing a pop song. We had great songs back in those days, like Chekery Chek, Chala Chala. Any banata kabali kawalaka, can't you see? Chekery Chek is me. Finally, they said, okay, you can sing it, but you'll regret it. So I got to the stage that morning. I'm standing backstage, and they handed me the program, and I was following my buddy Danny Palin, another senior, who was one of the great trumpet players. And he had a little band, and they were going to play Blues in the Night. I really liked that song. da 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 ba da ba I love it. And he could play. They came out in little white cutaway coats. They had baby blue spotlights on them. They started to play, and the crowd went berserk. They loved it. They just yelled and cheered and applauded. And I'm standing back there singing. Let's see, I'm coming out here next with I'd Rather Have Jesus. And Ben Martin, who was our class president, was the MC, and he had said, now here's Danny Palin and his trumpet to play blues in the night. <laughs> That's my turn. And Ben Martin said, now here's Danny Betzer, who's going to sing this to him. <laughs> Somebody said, weren't you nervous? No. I'm awfully proud of Jesus. I've always been proud of Jesus. He died for me. He took my place on the cross. Why would I be ashamed of him? 
Why would I shrink back? You young people, don't let this peer pressure thing deprive you of enormous fulfillment in being a representative of the king. Proud of Jesus. Took Barabbas' place on the cross. I can relate to that. Took my place too. And yours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am proud of you. Proud to mention your name. Proud to bow my head in public restaurants and ask your blessing, give you gratitude for the food. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I want to pray today, Lord, for, I don't know if he's here or not, a fellow wrote me this week, saying I've drifted away. Would Jesus take me back? Yes, 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 yes. Let this be a day when that is a return to the one who loves him. For those in this sanctuary, those watching by media who've drifted away or somehow been embarrassed or ashamed of the gospel, and today they're thinking, why would I be ashamed of Christ? He took my place on the cross. I pray for them, Lord. Bring them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Prayer team, please come into the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, wrote the great prophet Isaiah. My sins he was dying for. If you feel maybe that you need a fresh touch of Christ in your life, I encourage you to slip into the altar, even before you go. Say, Lord, I'm embarrassed that I was embarrassed about you. Please forgive me. Or maybe you felt that Christ would never have you back. Oh, in a heartbeat, he'd have you back. He'll always love you unconditionally. If you'd like prayer for your body, for your needs, the altars are open. These folks will pray with you, or you can come and pray on your own, your choice. But the altars are open as Jonathan leads us. He was that song, 53rd chapter of Isaiah. One more time, sing that chorus. He was wounded for my transgression, and he was bruised for my iniquity.
attributes of Calvary, Jesus, in your precious name, and oh, how I thank you, how I love you, I love you, I love you. This day, Lord, as we leave this sanctuary, may love for you be expressed by us. May we find ourselves calling out to you in the day, Jesus, thank you, I love you, you are precious to me, I love you. This is not religion. This is a relationship that I have with you, Jesus, that you instigated when you took my place on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Would you be with these dear saints as they go? Keep them well, strong, in your name. Amen. God bless you, precious friends. I do love you dearly. Thank you for being in God's house today.